the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt is sponsored by the Marquardt Law Firm and does not attempt to solve your individual legal problems upon the basis of information contained herein. Instead, contact an attorney to discuss the specific facts and circumstances of your unique situation. The views and opinions of this program do not reflect the views of the Salem Media Group. It's time for Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Todd Marquardt, attorney at law in Texas. If you're a millionaire or a thousandaire, Talk Law Radio is now on the air. Call in with your business law question, your elder law question. Veteran aid, Medicaid, build a business to get paid. 210-308-8867. Or ask a question online at marquardtlawfirm.com. That's M-A-R-Q-U-A-R-D-T, lawfirm.com. And now, it's Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Welcome to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. Later, we'll be on Apple Podcasts and streaming from TalkLawRadio.com. You can also find me on Twitter, on Instagram, and on Facebook Live. Today, we're live here in the studio, and I guess it's May 15th. So you can call me at 210-308-8867 or toll-free 866-308-8867. I'm going to be talking about business law today and family businesses, so give us a call if you want to. The State Bar of Texas is the state agency that governs attorney law licenses, and the State Bar wants attorneys to inform the public about the law But because legal advice must be tailored to the specific circumstances of each case, and because laws are ever-changing, material discussed in this program is meant for general informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information contained in this show should be coordinated with your individual professional advice. Marquardt Law Firm sponsors our show today, and attorneys at Marquardt Law Firm focus on business and estate law, including last wills, living trusts, tax-protected inheritance plans, new businesses, and old businesses, which might have issues with corporations, contracts, limited liability companies, family-limited partnerships, and we can represent those who are facing problems from lack of planning, like lawsuits, uh, claims, guardianships, probate, real estate, breach of contract, and personal injury. Check out our blog at marquartlawfirm.com to read about what's going on with virtual jury trials. Before we get started talking about the law, let's begin with prayer. Dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you for all the gifts and blessings that you give to us. Please forgive us when we sin, when we make mistakes, when we do the wrong thing, or when we fail to do your will. Please help me inform the listeners about business law today. Please help us to use the gifts and talents that you have provided for the good of your people, for our own good, and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Now it's time to discover your legal issue blind spots by listening to me talk about the law on the radio. So today we're talking about business law, and so I'll give you a little bit of my background about uh, what I know about business law. It all started way back when, a long, long time ago, when I was in high school, a friend of mine and I went to a soccer game or something like that. And at that game, there was one of these trailers with a building on top of it, and they were selling 
what looked like a snow cone. Well, people loved these snow cones so much that this uh, snow cone entrepreneur put like a permanent location in a parking lot uh, next to a hardware store. And so my friends and I would go there uh, whenever we had the chance, whenever we were hot, as it was a lot of times in southern New Mexico, and get one of these snow cones. But it wasn't like a traditional snow cone. It was shaved ice. This was new in Alamogordo, New Mexico, to have something uh, so interesting as shaved ice uh, with flavoring on it. And so my friend and I were talking about how uh, this must be a booming business because we were spending our hard-earned money to purchase this every chance we got. And so we were going to uh, start a similar company selling these things, except we were going to call it Ice Juice in a Cup because essentially that's what it was. It was ice with some type of sweet fruit juice poured over the top of it, all located in a cup. (laughs) So that was uh, the original name we came up with. And sometime later, we saw advertised in the Thrifty Nickel or something like that. That was the the free newspaper where you could uh, advertise the stuff you had for sale was one of these trailers with a small building on it. And so we went about trying to figure out how we could buy that thing. I think it was only $5,000, but that was a lot of money to us. We didn't have it, and we didn't know how to get it. And so, of course, we asked our parents if we could have $5,000. And... Um, Our parents were probably smart enough to realize that uh, this was not a good investment to make into a couple of teenagers who may or may not follow through with what they were going to do. So we didn't get to start the ice juice in a cup business, but it did lead to another business idea. My friend was somewhat successful in mowing other people's lawns. And and being the enterprising individual that I was, I saw that he had not only a talent for pushing a lawnmower, but he knew people who needed their lawn mowed. And so I said, hey, we should start a business mowing lawns, and we can be partners. See, I'm getting around to my point. This is how I started my business uh, entrepreneurial spirit was first through ice juice in a cup and then through this partnership with my friend, which we called Ice Juice Lawn Maintenance. See, we just took the name from our prior idea, even though it had nothing to do with lawns or cutting grass or maintenance. We just thought it was funny. So we did... um, do pretty well with this lawn maintenance business. We had uh, as many regular customers as we really wanted to have, and we were mowing lawns all summer long on the weekends um, and making enough money. And one of the first things that our partnership uh, went out and did was we uh, tried to get investors so that we could buy another lawnmower. He had a lawnmower. Uh, Of course, it was his parents' lawnmower, really. And I had a lawnmower that was my mom's, but my mom's lawnmower was electric. And if you've ever used an electric lawnmower, it had a cord. This was before the days when the mower had a battery. And so I had to carry around this cord as I was pushing and Periodically, you have to throw the cord over uh, so that you can do the turnaround, and that was quite irritating. And plus, the mower didn't have a lot of power, so I was limited in that respect, too. So I wanted to buy a new mower. My older brother 
took me down to the uh, Sears, and we looked at mowers, found out how much it was going to cost, and then I took that information and went to look for people who would uh, invest in our company. And so my friend and I tried, you know, we would ask uh, older people, parents, aunts, uncles, family, friends, uh, if they would like to invest in our company, I was going to use the investment to purchase another mower. And so this was one of the first obligations of the company. And as you can tell, this is a big undertaking for a couple of teenagers to undergo. So this mower was, I think it was around $350, which again seemed like more money than I would ever see in my whole life. Uh, but we did find some investors, and so I'll tell you more about it when we come back from the break. Again, if you have a question about business law, give us a call at 210-308-8867. I'll answer some questions if I can. If it's too specific, I'll just ask you to call your lawyer. Be right back. For years, we've heard how important it is to avoid probate through a living trust. You want to do the best thing, but frankly, don't quite understand what probate is or how a living trust can help you. Attorney Todd Marquardt can help. He makes it easy to understand so you can avoid what a nightmare probate could be for your family. Call and make an appointment. Marquardt Law Firm makes it so simple to set up a living trust so you can feel secure now. Call Marquardt Law Firm and find out how a living trust can help your loved one settle your affairs without a judge in court. Call 210-530-4278. That's 210-530-4278. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt. We're talking about business law today. And I was just telling about way back when, long, long time ago, when I was an entrepreneur with a friend in high school mowing lawns. So I told you the story about how I wanted to buy a lawnmower and we were raising money to do that. So then I actually got the money, paid for the mower, and then we had to go about earning enough money to pay this money back. Uh, one of the other obligations that we incurred, though, we thought we need a way for these customers to contact us so that we can get new jobs. Well, this was before cell phones, and so we didn't have a cell phone, but this was during the heyday of pagers, beepers. And so we were able to go down to the the pager store, forget what it was called, and get pagers. So then we had a phone number. If somebody called us, they would leave their number, and we'd call them right back. So we, we printed flyers with these numbers all over them, uh, advertising our business, we went door-to-door in, in different neighborhoods just uh, leaving our flyer on their door saying that we would uh, mow their lawns and, and hope that people would page us. And then that, that monthly payment that we had to pay to the pager store, we would pay for that out of our revenue from mowing lawns and just worked out. We, we had a, well, oh, one more thing. We also opened a bank account. I still can't believe that the credit union opened a bank account for us because we weren't even 18 years old. We're not even uh, old enough to establish a contract. Our signature uh, means nothing until you're 18. Well, we had a partnership account, and if you, you don't need a formal agreement to establish a partnership. Sometimes people establish a partnership by accident, you know, just by um, doing, engaging in the activity, um, you, you could have a partnership. So if, if you're working with another guy, uh, be, be careful. <laughs> you know, check his references. Uh, give, an, give him an aptitude test. Make sure that uh, he's going to carry out 
his uh, promises, fulfill his obligations, because you might be um, in trouble if he gets in trouble. That never happened with us. Uh, We were successful enough. We never had any fights or problems related to the lawn care business, and we're still friends today. But some people don't have that same story. You get all excited about going into business together. You've got this great idea. You think you're going to make all kinds of money. And sometimes people have disagreements. Sometimes one partner is working more than the other, and disagreements are created. Sometimes your partner gets divorced, and your partnership gets dragged into their divorce proceeding. So there are ways around that. You do need to hire a lawyer if you want to protect the entity and the business that you're growing, that you're putting all your blood, sweat, and tears into. So that's the background that I bring to business. When I started practicing law, I was just really interested in the legal aspects of it, of course, and helping people do things the legal way, the right way, Uh, to set them up for success instead of falling into failure. So that's what really got me interested. One of the most common questions I'm asked from people who want to start a new business is whether I can help them get a business license. Well, in Texas, there's really no such thing as a general business license, Um, but there are a couple of things that you can consider as a general business license. So the when you file either your corporation or your limited liability company or limited partnership with the Secretary of State, you file a certificate of formation and they issue you a certificate of filing. That you can consider your general business license. If you're not big business yet, you're just starting out, you're a sole proprietor or a general partnership, there's no certificate for that until you go down to the county clerk and you file an assumed name certificate. Other people refer to it as a DBA or doing business as certificate. You can consider that to be a general business license as well. So speaking of sole proprietor, um, there's an attorney named Stephen Orsinger who's quoted as saying that the sole proprietorship is the simplest form of business. Its creation requires no more, no formalities of the traditional business entities like corporations, limited partnerships, or limited liability companies. Uh, There's no particular governing structure and the internal affairs are not prescribed by law. Basically, it's just fly by the seat of your pants. That's a sole proprietorship or general partnership. In essence, the sole proprietorship is the oldest form of business because it's just somebody doing things for other people in exchange for money. So the sole proprietorship is a catch-all business form, It's a default when an enterprise does not fulfill the criteria for any one of the entities covered by the Texas uh, Business Organizations Code. So what is an assumed name? Well, it's a name that does not include the surname of an individual. If I start a business and and use my name, Todd Marquardt's um, estate sales, well, then that's not really an assumed name because it's got my actual name in it. Or if, if it were a partnership with, with my brother, so to speak, might be Marquardt and Marquardt. Well, that's, that's uh, using our surname, so we don't need an assumed name certificate for that. But if you use a name other than your surname, if I were to call my lawn care business Ice Juice Lawn Maintenance. That's actually an assumed name. So what do you have to do to register 
an assumed name? Or when is an assumed name certificate required? A person, well, Section 71.051 of uh, the, the Texas Business and Commerce Code says a person must file a certificate for an assumed name under this subchapter if the person regularly conducts business or renders a professional service in this state under an assumed name. And so that's how you get it going. And an attorney can help you with that. You don't necessarily need an attorney to fill out the uh, assumed name certificate unless you don't understand the form. And then you file that with the county clerk for the county where your principal business is located. For example, if we were here in San Antonio, you'd file it at Bear County downtown. Now, one of the disadvantages of a sole proprietorship is that all of the liabilities of the business are also that person's liabilities because you're one and the same. It's not a distinct individual. There was a, a case where uh, somebody was being sued and he said, hey, well, that's, that's my business, and the court said a sole proprietorship is defined as a business in which one person owns all the assets, owes all the liabilities, and operates in his or her personal capacity. Under Texas law, a sole proprietorship has no separate legal existence apart from the sole proprietor. Um, there was a case back in 1983 that quoted that uh, case was Ideal Lease Services, Inc. So there you go. Another big problem that happens is uh, when there's a divorce. Well, who gets the liabilities of the business then? Well, they both do if it's community property, and maybe only one of them does if it's separate property. So the sole proprietorship has a legal existence only in the identity of the sole proprietor. So what do you do if you want to separate the business liabilities from your own liabilities? You want to protect yourself from the business liabilities, and you want to protect the business from your personal liabilities. Well, that's when you get into starting a corporation, a limited liability company, or a limited partnership. There are other forms besides those, um, but those are the ones I'm going to focus on today. Oh, by the way, it might not just be the problems that you're causing that you're getting into trouble for. It could be employees or what the law calls an agent. So you could be in trouble for the behavior of one of your agents. Um, it's a general rule that an agent's authority is presumed to be coextensive with the business entrusted to his care. He is limited in his authority to such contracts and acts as are incident to the management of the particular business with which he is entrusted. That's a quote from Boyd versus Leasing Associates. That's a 1974 case. So you might be liable for the acts of your agent. And so that's one reason, if you have employees, why you would want to protect yourself from the business liabilities. Okay, so when you establish a corporation, it's a legal entity. It's, it's known as a different person. And so the acts and activities that the corporation engages in are going to be self-contained. Uh, if somebody has a problem with what that corporation did, they can sue the corporation, and the shareholders are only liable for the investment that they invested in that company. So that's one of the most important advantages of uh, using a corporation. Um, it's not perfect, though. We'll talk about um, how a person's personal liabilities um, could cause his shares to be garnished, and so therefore it might not be appropriate for everybody. 
there's uh, the LLC, uh, Limited Liability Company, which can be structured in different ways. It could be managed by the members. That's like a, a member is like a shareholder. Uh, it can be managed by the members, the shareholders. It could be managed by a manager. You can designate somebody else to make all of the business decisions and allow the members just to be investors, so to speak. Uh, the manager could be a trust, which which might help to further limit the liability. And then there's the family limited partnership or just limited partnership if it's not um, a family business. I like to uh, help families uh, create legacies, and, and we use the family limited partnership to help do that. So that's why my default is just to say family limited partnership. I do more family limited partnerships than I do limited partnerships for businesses. Uh, what's unique about that is you have a general partner and you have limited partners. So the general partner would make all the business decisions. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt is sponsored by the Marquardt Law Firm and does not attempt to solve your individual legal problems upon the basis of information contained herein. Instead, contact an attorney to discuss the specific facts and circumstances of your unique situation. The views and opinions of this program do not reflect the views of the Salem Media Group. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt. I was talking about limited partnerships uh, before the break, so let me get back to that just a moment. I was saying that there's really two sides to a, a limited partnership. There's the general partner who makes the business decisions, the day-to-day, and then the limited partners who invest in the company, but they don't make the day-to-day decisions. They just invest. They're like silent investors. And so you can even set up your family business that way. Um, What's unique about the general partner, though, is the general partner has to accept personal liability. And so we have to structure that general partner uh, many times using a different entity um, to protect protect that person from liability. It's quite complicated. Uh, real estate developers uh, are well known for uh, enjoying the limited partnership model of business entity. So the factors that you would consider when deciding which type of business entity to use are the the tax structure, which we're not really going to get in today. I like to work with Uh, accountants and tax preparers and certified public accountants uh, when helping clients with uh, business structuring because uh, it's hard for one man to know everything. And so I like to work with other professionals who focus on taxes. I do know some tax things, um, but I always like to double-check my work, and plus uh, I like to stay in my lane, the law lane. And uh, so that's one factor, uh, income taxes of the entity, income taxes of the uh, shareholders, members, partners, whatever you want to call them. And then uh, another factor that you should consider is the transferability of the interest. Do you want to make it easy to get in, to buy into your company? Do you want to make it easy to get out, to, to sell the interest or shares and and exit the company, you would consider those factors uh, before deciding on a corporation, limited partnership, or limited liability company. And another factor would be how do we use it to, to protect the investor from liability? We talked about some of the liabilities uh, that, that could come up uh, if if the company does the wrong thing and, and somebody's injured, 
if there's a, a breach of contract and the company's liable, you don't want all the investors to also be liable. A slip and fall, a, a human resource liability, a traffic accident liability of one of the employees. Uh, I have heard of all of these things. An age discrimination liability, a racial discrimination liability, a sexual harassment liability. Um, there is liability around every corner. So you have to protect the blood, sweat, and tears that you put into your company. Um, before things get too heavy, though, I'm going to tell you a joke. So this is from um, Small Business Development Center at the University of Georgia. Um, I met a good friend while taking my morning walk. Hey, Paul, why do you look so dejected today? Oh, Henry, I'm in trouble. I need cash for the business, and I have no idea where to get it from. Paul sa or Henry says, I'm so glad to hear that. I was afraid you might think you could borrow it from me. <laughs> okay, here's another one. A quote from an interview with the head of a growing company. The journalist asks, so how many employees are working in your company? Approximately half of them. <laughs> you got to be uh, an employer to, to think that that's funny. Okay, there's some other liabilities that creep in when you have your own company. And one of them is income taxes. That That's readily apparent. One that sort of sneaks up on you is the payroll tax liability. When you hire employees and you start paying them and you have to take out their taxes from, from their wages and you have to pay the IRS every now and then to uh, keep them satisfied, well, the IRS will come after you if you don't make your payroll tax payments. And I have seen where a very small minority shareholder, uh, I think he had 10% of the company, wasn't even involved in the, the payroll of the company. IRS came after him, said, if nobody's going to pay this tax bill, you're going to pay it. And he said, I'm not responsible for that. I'm just a 10% owner. And so that was very hard for him to get through. Payroll tax liability, that's a big one. Okay, another thing I wanted to, to mention is, does anybody out there know where the Bible talks about partnerships? Well, I found one place, and, and you may have found others, but this is the one that I liked. In Luke chapter 5, verse 4, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, I think this is Jesus talking, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. They came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. So this is a reference in the Bible to a partnership, a fishing business. And what I got out of this, not only the miracle that, that Jesus caused their business to flourish, but when one partner signaled the others, that's communication between partners, very important. If you're married, you know what I'm talking about. Communication isn't always what you say. My wife likes to remind me, it's how you say it. So communication between partners is very important. Signaling is a form of communication. So then the other partner he readily 
helps out. So it's not that I'm telling you what to do. I'm asking for your help in making the business prosper. So a lot of times maybe the business partnership is uneven, or at least that's the way it's perceived by one or both of the partners. And so you want to make sure that you communicate frequently about the workload because this is an area of dispute. And it's best to confront these issues before hidden resentment creeps in and somebody blows up and and just runs away from the business and the partnership. Because litigating these issues is much more expensive than facing them head-on in the first place. So the, the partner signals the other partner, and they help the business prospers. So in verse 7, it says, the boats began to sink. Now, of course, that was by the miracle of Jesus, but also because the partnership was helping in the enterprise. So if you have another Bible verse, please let me know. You can call right now at 210-308-8867, or you can email me at host at talklawradio.com. That's H-O-S as in Sam, T as in Timothy, at talklawradio.com. In fact, you can email me about all kinds of things. Email me to let me know what your ideas are for a show. Email me if you know somebody who would be a great guest. Email me if you have heard of a, a really interesting legacy. So we're going to take another break, and when we come back, I'm going to talk about legacy. That's our legacy segment because our sponsor is Marquardt Law Firm, and at Marquardt Law Firm, we focus on business and estate law and the focus of estate planning, including last wills, living trusts, and tax-protected inheritance plans, is legacy, leaving something behind those we love. So if you have ideas about that, email me at host at talklawradio.com. If you have a legal question or you want an appointment with an attorney, you can call Marquardt Law Firm at 210-530-4278 or you can visit the website at marquardtlawfirm.com If you want to listen to podcasts from this show previously recorded you can go to Apple Podcasts and search for Talk Law Radio and look for my smiling face or you can go to the Talk Law Radio website at talklawradio.com and you can search all of the pre-recorded episodes there and stream those episodes. We're going to take a short break and when we come back we're going to be talking about legacy. See you then. we've heard how important it is to avoid probate through a living trust. You want to do the best thing, but frankly, don't quite understand what probate is or how a living trust can help you. Attorney Todd Marquardt can help. He makes it easy to understand so you can avoid what a nightmare probate could be for your family. Call and make an appointment. Marquardt Law Firm makes it so simple to set up a living trust so you can feel secure now. Call Marquardt Law Firm and find out how a living trust can help your loved one settle your affairs without a judge in court. Call 210-530-4278. That's 210-530-4278. Oh, welcome back to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt, talking about business law today and legacy. Uh, Before we go to legacy, I forgot to tell you about some of the remedies when there's a a judgment. Let's say the the business gets sued. Uh, The judge says uh, the business was at fault. Judge says there's damages that need to be paid. Well, the investors hopefully are going to be protected from the liabilities of the business. Um, And so they're not going to go after those individuals. But sometimes there is a problem where one of the investors 
one of the shareholders, one of the members, one of the partners gets in trouble in their own life, and so they have a liability where a judge says you're at fault. You know, maybe it's one of the kids had a car accident, uh, bumped into Tony Parker on the highway, uh, wrecked the Maserati or Ferrari or whatever, and you have several hundred thousand dollars in damage. Maybe it's not covered by your auto insurance policy. Maybe your limits aren't on your policy aren't high enough. Well, they will come after you uh, through a lawsuit. And if you don't have the money to pay, they might try and take your stock in the comp- in the corporation. They might try and take your membership in your LLC. They may, might try and t- take your partnership interest in your partnership. Uh, well, in the code here, I have a copy. It says that uh, the sole remedy against a, a member of an LLC is a charging order. And so uh, at best they could try and foreclose that, but they're not going to be able to vote your membership interests. Um, and so maybe you won't take any more distributions until that debt is discharged or otherwise unenforceable. So anytime stuff like that happens, of course, you need to talk to a lawyer about your individual circumstances because this is very facts and circumstances oriented. Okay, back to the legacy question. So um, if you have a business and you want to pass it on to your children, this might be part of your legacy. But you should try and figure out whether they're going to want this, whether they want to be a part of the business. Um, Because if they don't, well, then you could sell your business and retire and then leave them money. So uh, sometimes the the family business is a legacy in itself. The way that you serve the community, the way that you um, are a good steward of the business for the Lord, that might be your legacy. The, the things or services that you provide to the community, that might be your legacy. You might want to pass that on. And uh, I have helped a, a, a business owner sell his interest in the company to a child. Well, that was beneficial for him because it created a, a retirement income and allows the the child to keep the, the business going and to make sure that it's still running smoothly. But don't assume that all of the children are going to be good partners together. Uh, siblings are some of the most resentful people I've seen in my area of practice regarding business and regarding wills and estates and probate. So you want to do this carefully and uh, an estate plan is more than just a piece of paper that says will or trust on the top. It's the planning. It's the thinking through. It's the designing of how this is going to work out. And so you should find an attorney that you like that's going to ask you tough questions about how to design the plan so that it works. The attorneys at Marquardt Law Firm look at several factors. How do we tax efficiently protect and preserve the assets? How do we reduce family conflict, maximize family harmony? How do we maximize government benefits? And how do we leave the legacy? Well, the legacy I was supposed to be going into after I graduated from college was I I was supposed to be an eye doctor. My granddad was an eye doctor. My dad was an eye doctor. I was supposed to be an eye doctor. My granddad had this conversation with me while I was in college. I said, granddad, I'm having a really hard time in calculus. And he said, look, it's here waiting for you, my practice. It, it's a gold mine that you just have to be licensed optometrist to to go into and uh, I didn't do it I couldn't get through calculus I didn't want to get through calculus 
um, I failed every test. The only reason I got a C- minus in that class is because the professor was grading on a curve. And don't think I didn't try. I went to the professor for help. I went to the teaching assistant for help. I couldn't understand the, the teaching assistant's accent, so that made it doubly difficult to understand calculus. I, I tried everything to get through that class, and I sure didn't want to take that class again to replace that grade with a better grade. And so that's what really uh, motivated me to go into uh, political science and government. And that's what led me to the law and and then eventually to estate planning and, and business law. So that was sort of my my family legacy on my granddad and dad's side was you know, I was going to be a third-generation eye doctor. That would have been pretty neat, but I would have missed all this. So um, that's part of family legacy, and you can do it through a sale of the business. You could do it through a gift of the business during lifetime, or you can do it with passing the business on as an inheritance after you pass away. Now, again, can't tell you what you should do, because there's tax consequences of each one of those transactions, and there are consequences for um, the law and how it affects you and your family. So you want to do this carefully. Again, it's not just like buying a basket of apples. It's not a single transaction. It's something that you want to think through and work at. You want to have the right professionals on your team, an attorney for for one, you want to have a good tax advisor for another, and you want to have an investment advisor too. And if you ever need uh, advice or recommendations or referrals for somebody that does taxes, somebody that gives good financial advice, I can help you with that. I have lots of friends. I know who does good work, and I know who will be attentive to you. So you can ask me about that by emailing me at host at talklawradio.com or at uh, or you can go to my website, uh, markwortlawfirm.com. We have a chat function there. You just chat with whoever's answering your questions, let them know what your questions are, and we'll get back to you. Oh, one more tax problem. Well, when you file a business entity as opposed to a sole proprietorship or informal partnership, when you file a corporation or limited partnership or limited liability company, you also have to file something with the Texas Comptroller's Office. Uh, Because there is a franchise tax on business for those that are organized to limit their liability. And a lot of times for small businesses, they don't have to pay a tax. But you do have to file the report annually or you forfeit your existence. So make sure before May 15th you have filed your annual report to the Texas Comptroller's Office. Now your accountant, your tax preparer, your CPA will probably do that for you. So many businesses don't have to worry about it unless you're trying to do all that stuff on your own, which I don't recommend. It's helpful to have somebody watching those deadlines for you. Okay, what else can we say about businesses? Okay, so we've been talking about business law. We've been talking about limited liability companies and the, and the way that you can structure it. Um a while back, I interviewed attorney Peter Perenni, who was uh, the first attorney to file the series limited liability company in Texas. In 2009, uh, the state of Texas passed a new statute that allows you to set up a series limited liability company. It's where you can have subsidiaries owned by a parent company. And this will help you to have many different companies sort of under one roof. It's a great way to organize um, 
some somebody's affairs when they have lots of businesses. If you have lots of rental properties, if you have lots of um, restaurants, you could set it up this way. It was uh, started as, well, the first use of it was for mutual funds. Each mutual fund wanted to be its own LLC, and somehow they got the idea that they could just establish a series of different LLCs. And the Texas uh, Business Organizations Code says that each little series has its own liabilities. And so you can divide them up. Which brings me to a point. Somebody says, how can I protect my assets? Well, there's lots of ways. Um, Starting with your home, you can put a lock on the front door. And if that's not enough, you can put bars on the windows. You can put a pit bull in your backyard. You can set up a security system in your home. You can put up cameras. Further, you could dig a moat around your property (laughs) if you're not in uh, a neighborhood with a homeowners association. Uh, You could put a drawbridge over that moat. You could put a dragon in the moat. You can do all of these things to protect your home assets. So it's it's the same with setting up your business. Um, you can <laughs> you can have uh, your business entity. You can have insurance. You can do other things to mitigate risk. You can try and make sure that uh, you don't make any mistakes. You can hire good, competent people. You can hire people that don't have a lot of problems. So all of this will help to protect you and your assets. Thank you for joining me on Talk Law Radio. See you next week.